Good morning and welcome and thank you for joining us today. My name is Seth Muli and uh, we're continuing a series that we've entitled Bold as a Lion. Last week we heard from our senior pastor, Pastor Gordon Zalo, an inspiring message of how we can ask bold prayers. And I loved the title of the message. It was entitled, I Dare You to Ask. Brilliant title, brilliant message. It really challenged me to not limit God when it came to my prayers, to ask him for the impossible because he is the God that makes the impossible possible. And so I want to encourage you, go ahead, go look for that message on our YouTube page, catch up and really be challenged and inspired to be bold as a lion. The series of messages, the talks that we're presenting to you over the next few weeks are really equipping you with the tools of how you can become bold as a lion. And I don't know if you've seen a lion or TV, or maybe you've gone to a lion in Cheetah Park. Lions are bold. Lions, whenever they go for their prey, they don't question if they should pounce on the prey. They go for it. Even sometimes, I've seen videos where lions go for prey that is much bigger than them, like an elephant. But they are bold, and they are courageous, and they're confident, and they walk in the jungle like they are the king of the jungle. They just walk like that because they know who they are. And I don't know if you've ever seen an insecure lion. I've never seen a lion like second guess itself as it's going to catch the zebra, like get there and say, ah, I'm not going to get into this. I'm not going to eat the zebra or this antelope or this elephant. I've never seen an insecure lion. But a lot of you today are walking like insecure lions. You're not boldly going for all the things God has created you to go for. You're not boldly going for that job. You're not boldly going for that opportunity. You're timid. You're afraid. And today I really want to help you become bold as a lion so that you can walk into all the things God has created you to be. And how I want to help you is by changing your words. Your words are so powerful. Words, I believe, are weapons of mass destruction or mass construction. And I want us to dive deep into Matthew 8, 5 to 13. It says the following. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. This is Jesus. But the centurion replied, Lord... I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word. Would you just type in the comment section that statement? Only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go and he goes and to another, come and he comes and to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. Some other interpretations of the Bible say he was amazed and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one else in Israel have I found such faith. I've entitled my talk today, I've got the power. Type in the comment section, I've got the power. Tweet it, send your friend a text and say, hey, you need to listen to this to realize what power you've got. Have you ever played Simon Says? You know, in kindergarten or in primary school, or maybe you played it in high school, no judgment. You shouldn't be playing kindergarten games in high school, but we're not judging you. We played this game called Simon Says. And the main aim of the game was that a group of kids would pick an individual to be Simon. 
And Simon would direct the kids to do physical feats. So he would say, Simon says, touch your toes, and everyone would have to touch their toes. Or Simon says, jump on one leg, and everyone would have to jump on one leg. And the aim of Simon, Simon would try and catch you if you didn't respond to his words. So if Simon says, touch your toes, and you didn't touch your toe, you were eliminated from the game. But also what he would try and do would trick you by calling out the activity without saying Simon says. So you were under the authority of the individual who was Simon. I loved being Simon. I loved the control it had, a little bit too much, because I would tell people to do ridiculous things. What we learn from Simon says is that we associated authority to an individual, and at the word of Simon, we would move. In Scripture, we just read... The centurion man, he understands authority. He was a soldier and theologians state that he may have had a hundred men who he had to oversee. And when he gave an order, he understood that those men that were under his authority would have to act it out. So he comes to Jesus and he tells Jesus that his servant is lying paralyzed at home. Jesus offers to come to his home. Jesus is like, let's go so I can heal him today. But the centurion replies and he says, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. But he says this powerful statement, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. Here again, he's explaining that he understands authority. Jesus hears this and he's amazed. He turns around to everyone following him. And what you need to understand, there are only two times in the Bible where Jesus is amazed. This is the first one. The second time where Jesus is amazed is when he goes to Nazareth, his hometown, where he had grown up. And the Bible says he was unable to do any miracles there. It's because everyone had seen Jesus as the carpenter's son. When he was growing up, but now he came in a new form as Jesus, the Son of God. And so their familiarity caused them not to give honor to Jesus. And he was amazed at their lack of faith when he went to Nazareth. And here he's amazed at the faith of the centurion. He was amazed at his faith, not by what the centurion man did, but by the words and the trust he placed in Jesus. Words are the most powerful weapons on earth. When you and I speak, we unleash something into the world. It could be something good or it could be something evil or bad. Words have power. Even people we think who are not spiritual leaders, we understand that their words have power. On May 25th, 1961, an example of a man who gave some very bold words. President John F. Kennedy announced a very bold and ambitious goal of sending a man to the moon before the end of the decade. His goal was achieved in July 20, 1969, when Apollo 11, when the commander-in-chief, Neil Armstrong, stepped onto the lunar module's ladder onto the moon's surface, and he uttered the famous speech, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. All that came because a man, John F. Kennedy, spoke words, and it unleashed something. He created a vision of what he wanted to see, and it became to pass. And what's so interesting is that that spaceship that landed on the moon, 
was using a computer that had 13 times less computing power than the phone in your hands today. Can you imagine that? But words are powerful. They push people to achieve things that they could never think they could do. Another example is in 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. at the Lincoln Memorial. And his word initiated a new era in American life. And those words that I have a dream speech is still reverberating around the world today. Words have power. When you speak something, you unleash something into the earth. Proverbs 18.21 says the following, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. I can just close the sermon on this verse. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Simply saying that the words that come out of your mouth have power and you eat the fruits of what you speak. What you need to also understand is that the creation of the world was formed with words. In the beginning, Genesis 1.1, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light and there was light. Later on in the chapter, God then makes man. Verse 26, he says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our own likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. And then what God does, he blessed them. And he says this, God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on earth. God said that there be light. He calls darkness night. And he calls day. And then what he does is that he creates man in his own image. And then we know what happens. It's the fall of man. But even in mankind's fallenness, our words still have power. Every day we create the context of our lives through our words through what we say on a daily basis. How you speak or the words that you speak will affect your marriage. It will affect your family. It will affect your children. It will affect your work. It will affect your finances. It will affect your health. The words we say shape our experience and they shape our world. Words can create unity. They can bring people together or they can create division. Words can destroy or they can build and encourage. Your words can create a blessed life or a blessed marriage, or they can create a cursed marriage. Your words can bless your children, or they can curse your children. And words make a difference. When I ask you this, think about your own life. Think about how words have affected you. Think about the person who said that you were ugly or you were stupid. The one who told you you were incompetent or you could never do anything or that you didn't have a talent or that you're never going to make it in life. Some of you are still living in the reality of the words spoken to you decades ago. Words create wounds. On the flip side, can you remember that individual that told you you were amazing, that they were proud of you, that God had so much in store for you, that someone who told you that you were going to be an amazing leader or an amazing father or an amazing mother, you hold on to those words. 
and they almost kind of create life in you. When you think of that individual, you just think of the positivity that they brought into your life, the hope and the inspiration they gave to you. They're two flip sides of the coin when it comes to words. Words can wound us, or words can build and help us grow. And today, I want to discuss words as it relates to three conversations that you have. Three conversations that you have when it comes to words. The first conversation is the conversation we have with ourselves. The conversation that we have with ourselves. The most important conversation that you must have is the conversation that you have with God, your Father, your Creator. And you do that through prayer, through reading the Bible, spending time in His presence. The second most important conversation is the conversation you have with yourself. And I want to ask you this question. If you were to write a book about what you tell yourself on a daily basis, would you be proud to read that book and let other people read it? Let me ask you that question again. If we were to write a book about everything that you tell yourself that no one knows, it's the inner talk that you have with yourself, would you be proud to read it and have other people read it? What do you tell yourself about yourself? What words are you speaking to yourself on a daily basis? What we say has a lot to do with what we accomplish. Self-defeating negative talk has a bad effect on your life. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he in his life. As a man thinketh, so is he. My question to you is, what conversation are you having with yourself on a daily basis? I want to give you an illustration. And I've asked my brother-in-law uh, to be part of this illustration. And it's a very simple illustration that kind of shows you the effect and power of words. And you can try this at home at your own time. I'm going to do it here and illustrate it to you. So my brother Luanza is going to join me. And uh, Luanza, you, you have nothing wrong with your shoulders, right? Nothing wrong. Okay. Would you stretch out your shoulders for me? I'm going to apply some pressure, and I want you to try and resist the pressure. All right. All right. Yeah. I'm applying the pressure. I can't get it down, right? Excellent. So, Luanza, you can put your hands down. I know you don't believe these things about you, but I want you to repeat these words after me, and I want you to say it as loud as possible so the people at home can hear it. All right? So, repeat after me. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. I'm stupid. I'm stupid. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'm never going to make it in life. I'm never going to make it in life. Uh, people don't like me. Don't like I'm not attractive. I'm not attractive. <laughs> All right. You can put your arms up. All right. All right. Okay. I want you to repeat these words after me. Okay. okay? I'm, a I'm a winner. People like me. People like me. God has so much in store for me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All right. Put your hands up. All right. Did you see? Did you notice how when I gave you the negative talk that... The strength in your arms just wasn't there anymore for a bit. Okay. Yeah. So do you notice like how negative words can sometimes, even though unconsciously you might not know it, but they kind of sap the strength out of you? Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Luanza. Appreciate it. So yeah, in that illustration, we see very simple illustration. Even though my brother-in-law was resisting at the beginning, when I gave him these negative sayings that he was repeating... There was a bit of resistance, but his hands came down. And when I gave him words that were positive and affirming and that were encouraging, he had strength to hold them. And that's the power of negative words. 
They will sap the strength out of you so that you are not able to fulfill all God has created you to be. Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And I want to ask you this question. What are you thinking about yourself? If you're saying negative thing after negative thing, and you might be saying, I'm not good at this. God has not chosen me. God doesn't care about me. I'm not educated. I'm a failure. You are actually working against God's word and God's will for your life. Some of you might be saying, Seth, I'm just being a realist. And listen, I used to be like that. Some of you might be saying that because you're articulating the reality that you're experiencing in your life. And I want to challenge you with this. You are never going to change your life by using your rights to speak the negative reality that you might be experiencing in your current situation. You'll never change your life if you constantly reassure yourself of the reality that you're currently experiencing. The power of life and death reside in the tongue. The power of life and death reside in the tongue. So I mentioned to you, I used to be like that. Before I got married, I was somewhat positive, but my negative self-talk was so loud. And when I got married, I would kind of tell my wife all these negative feelings I'm feeling about work or about situations in my life. And she would tell me, well, nothing is going to change because you have spoken it into existence. And what she was doing, she was challenging me to change my words. Instead of speaking negativity in my work situation, she was challenging me to speak positive words, words of faith, words of life. And as I began speaking positive words, change began to happen in my life, in my finances, at my workspace, in my relationships, because words have power. The power of life and death reside in the tongue. What I want to challenge you with is that one of the tactics of the enemies to see you defeated by the words you speak about yourself. He did it in the Garden of Eden. It's the same trick he's been using for years. In the Garden of Eden, he challenged Eve and said, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from the tree of knowledge? Did he really say? He brought this question, this deceit, this lie. And he's been doing it over and over again. And what you need to understand as a Christian, as a son of God, you have authority to speak against those negative thoughts that come into your heart. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says the following, For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Take every thought captive. So when those negative thoughts come, our role shouldn't be to confirm them by speaking them into existence and speaking them to ourselves. We need to hold that thought captive, align it to what God says, and if it doesn't align with what God says, then we are to refute it. I want to challenge some people with this. The word states here that we have divine power to destroy strongholds. A stronghold is anything that holds you back from fulfilling what God has called you to be. Could it be that the strongholds that you have in your life 
are because of the words that you're uttering, the negative talk that you're uttering on a daily basis, the negative talk that you're uttering in your heart to yourself. Could you be speaking these strongholds into your life? My challenge to you today is, as the word says, take every thought captive to obey to Christ. That negative thought that says you're a failure, you need to take it captive before you speak it into existence. What does the word say? The word says, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Speak those words instead of the negative self-talk. And I want to say this to you. Listen, this war is really against your destiny. The devil is trying to get you away from your destinies, trying to get you away from all the things God has called you to be. And what you need to do is not allow the enemy to come into your heart through your negative talk, the negative words that you're speaking to yourself. I've realized in my relationship with food is that there's a direct correlation between what I eat and the standard of my health. When I eat burgers and pizza on a weekly basis, not because my wife makes that, but because I just love that food, I begin to grow a little bit of a belly. I begin to feel a lot lethargic and tired and I don't have the energy. And it's the same with your thoughts. What are you putting into your mind on a daily basis? Because input always leads to output. You might be saying, Seth, I don't understand why I'm negative. Maybe you're watching negative shows, reading negative news. Sometimes I take a break from the news because it's all just negative and it weighs on my soul. And then I feel like, are we going to really make it in South Africa? It's all because of the input we're taking in. So you need to be cautious on a daily basis. What news are you taking in? What media are you taking in? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Because your input will always direct your output. So be careful what you're taking into your soul. Because it, it really affects your thoughts. As a man thinketh, so is he. And I want to ask you this question as I have before. What are you putting into your soul? What are you putting into your soul on a daily basis? Is it the word of God? I think a lot of the times when I feel like I'm a lot more negative and pessimistic... I then look at the amount of time I've spent with God in correlation to the amount of time I've spent on social media and watching news and listening to things that are quite negative. And if that side weighs a lot more than my time spent with God, I can already see that that is affecting me. But when I am spending more time in God's word, in his presence, worshiping him, I am not negative. I don't have a pessimistic outlook. I am hopeful because input will always lead to output. So ensure that you're bringing in the word of God into your life on a daily basis. I want to tell someone today as I get closer to the end of my message, get yourself together. What you need to understand is that you are a spirit, soul, and a body. I'm doing a little bit of teaching today. Your soul is made of your mind, will, and emotions. But when we come to Christ and receive the salvation that he offers, we become a new person in the spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. But what you must understand is that the soul needs to be renewed. So your mind, your will, and emotions needs to be renewed so that it can become more like Christ. But that is a process. And a lot of the time I've noticed that when my emotions, when I become depressed and angry and negative, I'm allowing my soul 
to direct me instead of my spirit. And what you need to understand, for us to renew our mind, the Bible says that don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind requires us to get into the word of God so that we feed the spirit man and so that the spirit man leads the soul. So I think a lot of you might be being led by your soul, by your mind, by your will, by your emotions. And that's very understandable because that is your sinful nature that is still being transformed into Christ. And what you need to do is not allow your soul to direct you, but your spirit man. Psalms 42, 5 to 6 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? This is David. Why so disturbed within me? And he responds, I love this. He says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I want to say this to you. Replace the negative thoughts with the word of God. Don't let your soul direct you. Be directed by the spirit man. How do you feed the spirit man? Through prayer, through worship, through praising God, reflecting on the word of God. David in 1 Samuel 30 verse 6 and David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each of his sons and daughters. But David, I love this, strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. He strengthened himself. How do you strengthen yourself? You put your trust in God. You pray to God. You spend time in worship. So when moments where I feel like I don't have peace about a situation, or I feel anxious, or I feel a little bit downcast, I tell myself, I go and strengthen myself in the Lord. I think a lot of you are strengthening yourself in other things to fill a void that can only be filled by God. And so your soul is distressed. You're feeling like you have all these emotions and you're angry and you're anxious. And instead of finding strength in God, you're finding strength in drugs. You're finding strength in alcohol. You're finding strength in having promiscuous relationships. You're finding strength in pornography. Don't do that. Find your strength in God. I want to read you something so powerful that I found this week as I was preparing. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he states the following, The main art of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. You must say to your soul, why art thou cast down? What business have you to be disquainted? You must turn on yourself, abrade yourself, exhort yourself, and say to yourself, hope thou in God, instead of muttering in this depressed, unhappy way. And then you must go on to remind yourself of God, who God is, and what God has done in your life, and what God has pledged himself to do. Then having done that, End on this great note, defy yourself, defy other people, the naysayers, defy the devil and the whole world and say with this man, I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance, who is also the health of my countenance and my God. The essence of this matter is to understand that this self of ours, he's talking about the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotion. This other man within us has got to be handled. 
You've got to get yourself together. You've got to handle yourself. Do not listen to him. Turn on him. Speak to him. Abrade him. Exhort him. Encourage him. Remind him of what you know instead of listening placidly to him and allowing him to drag you down and depress you. Don't let your soul dominate your life with faulty thinking. I think I can end my message on that. Such a powerful statement. The second conversation is the conversation we have with others. Our words have a lot to do with what we experience as well as what others experience. My question to you today is how would people say they experience you when you speak? Is it encouraging? Is it destroying? Is it a drag just to be around you? Is it like, do people, when you say, hey, let's hang out, they always find an excuse to get away? That is a clear indication that you need to change the way you speak. Proverbs 10, 21 says this, the lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of judgment. Proverbs 10, 11 says, the mouth of a good person is deep, life giving well, but the mouth of a wicked person is a dark cave of abuse. Proverbs 10.32, next verse says, The speech of a good person clears the air. The words of the wicked pollute it. Ooh, that's a good one. The speech of a good person clears the air. The words of the wicked pollute it. Have you ever been around a person who's just, they're just full of life. They're a breath of fresh air. You actually get excited to be with them. I want to be that person to you. And I know a lot of people are that, but I think we can continuously aim to be that. Have you also ever been a person who's just so negative? Like after you've left them, you feel like your mind has just been drained. You feel like your hope has just been drained. The words of the wicked pollute it. When you walk into a meeting, do you pollute it? Or do you raise the environment? Do people have more vision? Are they more excited to be in a meeting with you? At your home, do you pollute the environment? Is your wife afraid to speak to you because all you do is pollute? Or are you bringing an environment of joy and happiness? Do you pollute the environment when people bring like sensitive information to you? Are you encouraging them, giving them hope? Or do you speak behind people's back? We need to watch what we say. Do you say I love you to your wife, to your kids, to your family? Do you talk about your kids' abilities and talents? Or do you constantly tell them about their faults and what they're not doing with their life? And I want to just pause for a moment and speak to parents and say, if you have a son or a daughter who's not going in the direction that you want them to be going to, maybe you need to stop criticizing them and change your words. Start speaking life into them. Start encouraging them. Start blessing them and see how God will change their life. On the flip side, I want to speak to children. If you're just tired of your parents and they're constant nagging, maybe you need to start speaking well about your parents. You need to speak life about them. You need to tell them that you love them, that you're proud of them. And watch God change their lives. I want to speak to husbands. Are you tired of your wife nagging you? Maybe you need to change your words and stop nagging her and speak life into her life. Speak joy and peace and kindness on the vice versa. Wives, instead of criticizing your husband, maybe you need to compliment him. Maybe you need to encourage him. Maybe you need to love him. I think we all just need to take a moment and change our words because it literally affects the lives of those around us. 
How would people say they experience you when you speak? Maybe send a text message to a couple of friends and say, hey man, I'm just learning, I want to grow. How would you say you experience me when you speak? Do I bring life to you or am I a little bit negative? Are you building people up or are you tearing them down? We all have a responsibility. Your words are shaping your kids' lives. Your words are shaping your family's life. Your words are shaping your business. Your words are shaping your colleagues' lives. Your words have power. Third and final conversation is the conversation we have after we've prayed. Conversation that we have after we've prayed. What do you say after you've prayed. The conversation that you have after you pray has much to do with whether you receive what you prayed for. A lot of people can undo their prayer by the words they say after they've said their prayer, the negative words they say. I want to give you a very quick equation of how I believe that God answers prayer. And I'm not saying it's the right equation. I just know for my own life, is that if I pray God's will, that's the first part of the equation, and I add faith and I speak spoken words, positive words, he answers prayer. 1 John 5, 14 to 15 says the following. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, hello, God's will, he hears us, faith that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked him. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. God's will is his word. Once you know God's will, you need to have faith. Then you need to speak those words in faith that you've already received that item. And I believe God answers prayer. A couple of examples. The disciples came to Jesus privately. They were trying to cast out a demon. And it didn't happen. And they asked Jesus in Matthew 17, 19 to 20, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, because of your little faith, truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. Luke 17, 5 to 6 says, the apostles say to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord says, if you had faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you could say, you see again, you could say, you could speak into that situation. You could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. And I think at times as Christians, we get caught up in how much faith. And in these two scriptures that I've given to you, Jesus is saying, don't make it complicated. How much faith you need? As small as a mustard seed. I wish I could have brought it to you today, but it's so tiny you would not see it from where I'm standing. It is tiny. Jesus is saying, don't try and conjure up so much faith. Just have faith as small as a mustard seed. And you can say, you can speak to a mountain. Go from here to there and it will happen because of your faith. But also because of your spoken words. I want to give to you what I believe neutralizes prayer. People pray at church. You can't come to church. You're at a prayer meeting and you're praying for a situation. You thank God that he's done it. And you exit that prayer meeting or you exit your connect group or you exit your prayer room in your house. You've prayed for that thing. You know God's going to do it. And then you begin to say to yourself, ah, 
I know I prayed for provision, but uh, is God really going to provide? Like, is he going to do it for me? Uh, I know I've prayed for healing, but, you know, it's been like this for years now. Is God really going to heal me? Uh, you know, I've prayed for my finances to get better, but uh, I just don't think he can do it. I've prayed for that job opportunity and I've applied and I've applied and nothing is happening. And I want to ask you, is that really believing? Because what you've added to the equation is doubt. You've added doubt. And the Bible says in James 1, 6 to 9, that if you're acting like that, you're a double-minded person. It says the following. Let me read it to you. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of sea driven and tossed by the wind. This is powerful. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Wow. Bible is clearly stating that you could ask God for that promotion. You could ask God for that job. But then as soon as you begin to bring doubt into that situation, that man should not expect to receive anything. What is neutralizing your prayers is the spoken words that you speak after you've prayed for the situation, the negative spoken words that you're speaking. You're neutralizing your prayer by the negative words that you're speaking. And I want to encourage you to change the words. How do you change the words? After you've prayed for that situation, you say, oh, I cannot wait to see what God is going to do. I cannot wait to see how God is going to provide me with that job. In fact, God is going to give me the best job and I know it's going to be for me. You need to begin speaking words of faith after you've prayed. You need to be speaking words that confirm what you believe. In fact, most times when my wife and I pray, we pray, thank you God that we've received it. And in moments, there have been moments in my life where I almost say that negative thing and my wife is like, don't say it. Because we know that words have power. So when you are praying with a friend, encourage them to speak the positive word into that situation. You might be with a friend who's looking for a job. And maybe they're downcast. Encourage them and say, don't worry. I know God is going to give you the best job. I know God is going to bless your business. In fact, let me pray for your business. I bless you. Begin to speak words of faith after you've prayed the prayer. And I know it's difficult in my own life because it's tempting. It's tempting to go into the negative because I think as just human beings, we like to focus on the negative in life. The challenge is to speak words of faith. Peter's walking in Jesus as I close in Mark 11 says, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I truly tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, woo, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. What Jesus is saying is that we need to believe that we've received it. And what confirms that we've received it is our positive words. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, certainty of what you cannot see. Even though it has not materialized in the physical realm, you need to speak it out like it's already happening. Amen. Don't give a voice to your doubts. Some of you are giving voice repeatedly to the doubts in your mind, and that is hurting you. And doubt will die if left unexpressed. The doubts that you're having, 
As soon as you feel doubtful about what you've prayed for, speak life. But don't speak the doubt into existence because as you begin to speak more doubt, the problem just keeps growing. Have you noticed? If you're trusting God for provision and all you keep seeing is lack, you will keep lacking. And if you keep speaking lack, you keep seeing lack in your life. But if you're trusting God for provision and you keep saying, God will provide for me. God has so much in store for me. God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Provision will begin to come into your life. When you give voice to your faith, it changes your life. It will strengthen you. It will encourage those around you. And you don't need to express your fears and doubts. I want to say that again. You do not need to express your fears and your doubts. You need to speak words of faith, words that are positive about the situation, not words that are negative. The more you line up with Scripture, the more you speak words of faith, the more it will result in God's working in your life. And as I close, we get back to the centurion man. I want to read this scripture to you. The centurion man has asked Jesus, Hey Jesus, would you heal my servant? And Jesus says, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Jesus is amazed. I tell you, many will come from east to west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus says, Go, let it be done, for as you believed. Jesus is saying that people who will be truly honored in his kingdom are those that had faith. He says here, while the sons of the kingdom were thrown into outer darkness, Jesus is saying here that what pleases God is faith. That those people that will be honored, people that will sit with the fathers of faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom, are individuals who had faith to believe in God. And I love what he says to the centurion. He says, let it be done for you because you believed. Because you believed. And his belief the centurion man did not act. He did not try and conjure up his faith. His belief was expressed through the words he spoke to Jesus. His belief was expressed through the words that he spoke to Jesus. He says, just say the word and my servant will be healed. My hope is that Jesus would be amazed at your faith. And the words you speak out on a daily basis. My hope is that Jesus in heaven will say, Ooh, when he looks at you and the words of faith that you're speaking and the positive nature of your words, he would say, Oh, wow, I've never seen such faith like this in South Africa. Oh, wow, I've never seen such faith like this in Kenya. Oh, wow, I've never seen such faith like this in Nigeria. Oh, wow, I've never seen such faith like this in the United States. May our faith and the words that we speak because we believe in a God who does the impossible cause Jesus to be amazed. May our faith cause Jesus to be amazed.
May we be a people that speaks bold words because we serve a big God. The power of life and death reside in the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. What fruit are you eating today based on the words that you're speaking? What conversation are you having with yourself? Is it a positive conversation? Is it filled with God's word or is it filled with the opinion of men, with the words of the world? What conversation are you having with people around you? Are you bringing them up or are you building them up? And finally, after you've prayed, what's the conversation that you're having? What conversation is that? Are you confirming your belief in what you've received? Or are you bringing doubt that is neutralizing what God can do in your life? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. I feel the spirit of God on me. God, I just want to pray right now for people who are having a negative conversation with themselves. God, I just want to pray that you would come into that secret space for those who are struggling with depression and thoughts of anxiety. I pray that the peace of God would guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I pray that you would come into that secret space where no one knows the conversations that they're having with themselves. And I pray that you would begin to speak words of love, to tell them that you love them, that you have a plan and a purpose for them. God, I pray for people that have been having a negative conversation with those around them and their words as they reflect back and think are not bringing life, but they're bringing destruction. They're creating division. They're not bringing unity. They're not creating a great environment to work in at the workplace. They're not allowing people to come into their hearts because they're so guarded. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to have a positive association with people and that from this day forth, they would speak words that bring life, that they would be a life-giving individual, that it would be such a breath of fresh air and it will change the trajectory of people around them because they notice that there is a change in their life. And finally, God, I pray for all of us who have been praying and trusting God for a miracle, praying and trusting God for provision, but doubt has come into the equation And even though we've prayed, even though we've believed, even though we've had faith, we've brought doubt in the equation and it's neutralizing our faith, I pray that they wouldn't voice their doubt. It's okay to have doubt, Lord, but what causes us to neutralize our prayer is the negative word that we speak, the the doubt we speak, the words of doubt we speak. I pray that you would help them to speak words of faith in Jesus' name. I want to pray for you today. If you want to make a decision to bring Jesus into your life, to make him the most important person in your life, all you have to do is repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I ask you to come into my life. I repent of my sins. I turn away. I believe you are who you say you are and you did what you said you did. You died and rose again. Please come into my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, we're so excited. Would you text SAVE to the number below? Because we want to help you on this journey 
to become more like Christ. We're going to get you connected to a local church or a connect group and maybe even get you a Bible so that you're able to grow in your relationship with Christ. Take care and God bless. And remember, the power of life and death reside in the tongue. Essentially, you've got the power. Use it wisely.